Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And today I'm going to be looking at the mobilization of the Indian Army during the Second World War and the transition from the um, Indian Army, uh, in the Indian Army, from being a kind of a sepoy force designed to um, carry out whatever needs. Uh, the British Raj had in India and the rest of uh, Southeast Asia, uh, to being a a, na- a national uh, army uh, that was uh, dedicated to pursuing Indian national goals. And in that process, in that transition from being uh, essentially previously a mercenary force to being um, a force that was uh, embedded in wider notions of Indian nationhood, this was a a powerful force in uh, the transition towards independence by 1947 um, and a a powerful kind of uh, mentality shift on on behalf of the uh, the Indian Army, um, and one of the kind of the, the key ingredients that bind Indian nationhood together. So today I'm going to be reading from Srinath um, Raghavan's India's War. If you listen to this podcast fairly frequently, you'll know that we've looked at this book, oh, it's probably last year now, um, but it's a, a really insightful guide to the um, development of India's war machine. And Srinath Ravagan writes, um, In March 1943, the chief of the general staff of the Indian Army wrote a candid letter to the army commanders. Prior to the war, he observed, the Indian Army was a mercenary army with its morale and loyalty based on four factors. First, recruitment was confined to classes, long-standing martial and professional traditions, um, which have long been centred on loyalty to the Sarkar um, and to the King Emperor. Second, the army was officered all but exclusively by experienced British officers, who could command the respect and affection of these classes. Third, paying conditions of service contrasted favourably with opportunities in civilian employment. Finally, the size of the army was small enough to ensure competition for vacancies. In almost all these respects, he uh, he noted, the situation had now radically changed. Um, So, this is is the case. So, it was um, a relatively small... A mercenary force which was paid, which paid well, 
um, which was staffed almost exclusively by white British officers, um, and there was a prestige attached to it, and there was competition for, for positions. The war obviously changes all these factors. In October 1939, the size of the Indian Army was 194,373 troops, and at the end of the war, it's nearly ten times, well, it's over ten times that size. It is at 2,065,554 troops. Um, during that time, the Indian Air Force was uh, one squadron of 285, uh, 285 officers and men to nine squadrons of 29,201 officers and men. The Royal Navy, Royal Indian Navy, went from 1,846 men to 30,748, um, and this included a an increase in the size of warships. The expansion, which really was a tenfold increase in the size of uh, in uh, India's military capacity. Um, was if you read um, Forgotten Armies and Forgotten Wars um, by Bailey and Harper, results in a uh, an industrial revolution in India. Not that India was deindustrialized prior to the Second World War, but during the war, uh, an explosion in manufacturing, metallurgy, uh, rail building, shipbuilding. Um, uh, electronics um, for aircraft or electrics for aircraft, anyway, um, and other such um, uh, other other such industries um, radically transforms the industrial map of India. Um, so you have this tenfold increase in military capacity, and it's some of the kind of the fundamentals upon which Raj military power was based on um, are set aside. So the Raj sought to control and manage this expansion in ways that would not finally undermine British rule after the war, because even in 1945, the uh, British believed that it would be possible to stay on in India, uh, perhaps under slightly different circumstances, but they believed that that would be possible. Um, and the um, wartime growth of the army um, falls into basically three phases. In the first eight months of the war, there's relatively slow expansion, but you could say the same for a great many um, countries that don't face, that don't immediately face uh, occupation. Fifty thousand troops were added to the pre-war number, and this uh, includes uh, Indian territorial battalions, which are raised really for internal security. Uh, the uh, the British and even uh, the, the Congress uh, can't rely on India not to erupt into some sort of civil disorder during the war. Um, this very slow start is really due to a uh, kind of a lack of organisation. There's no previously uh, thought out plan. Um, as we've seen uh, when looking at India before, um, uh, partly due to kind of uh, British equivocation in the 1930s, a uh, lack of certainty uh, about what to do about uh, uh, possible wartime threats in Asia, and also uh, to do with the, the way in which Lord Linlithgow unilaterally declared war on Germany on the behalf of India. There was a kind of a great deal of, of chaos and indecision when it comes to actually raising um, raising battalions. 
Um, the, a plan had very quickly been thrown together in uh, the, the the last uh, in midway through 1939, but it had never really been kind of explored or formally adopted. Um, and this was probably a good thing because the proposed plan was actually far more modest and saw uh, far more, far weaker uh, recruitment than that which actually uh, occurred. The um, uh, the idea of raising one division every six months was uh, so um, forgettable and uh, useless um, that it, it was quickly quickly abandoned. Um, one significant problem was that even when the war started, there was no clear directive from the British government on possible troop demands from India. So the British government weren't sending clear messages saying that we, they would need troops in Egypt, um, even though obviously they, they, they do. Um, the only thing that was clear was that there was um, a timetable of modernisation um, that would, had been drawn up for the Indian Army, that would now have to be um, completely uh, got rid of, eradicated, uh, because the wartime conditions uh, precluded that. So, after a long period of uh, procrastinating, the general staff in India um, take it upon themselves to draw up a major expansion plan in May 1940. So, Raghavan writes, This marked the beginnings of a second stage of wartime enlargement. The plan had been uh, advanced in the light of London's desire to offer a guarantee to Afghanistan against Russian attack. Now, I did a podcast on this um, last year. You can go back through and find out uh, about uh, Britain's um, wartime planning for Afghanistan. Um, However, although the general staff knew that their operational plan uh, would not be approved by the British chiefs of staff, on account of the demands it would place on British forces, it was felt that um, the, um, that the time was propitious for undertaking an expansion of the army. For one thing, the general staff believed that India would be called upon at some point to contribute to the defence of the Middle East. For another, the fall of the Low Countries and the invasion of France had made Indian opinion more sympathetic to the Allied cause than at any time since the start of the war. Even the Congress was expressing its willingness to cooperate in the war effort. In this context, the Indian government felt that the Russian menace and India's apprehensions regarding it provide a most favourable opportunity for initiating these efforts with minimal political opposition. So, uh, India's general staff uh, suggested that the army uh, raise 18 infantry battalions and three field artillery regiments um, and uh, supporting services such as engineers and signals um, and organisational and logistics units for six army divisions. Uh, the divisions in question would be available for deployment um, elsewhere, um, such as Afghanistan, for example. Um, if India, uh, simultane- if India uh, raised uh, an equal number of uh, units to replace those that might be sent away, um, then this situation would this, this policy would, would probably work. Um, the um, chiefs of staff in India sought Whitehall's permission immediately to get started on this. Um, implement, implementing these measures, the staff basically uh, told um, the British, um, would absorb the entire energies of um, India, um, of the Indian defence establishment, of the Indian defence industries, um, for at least a year. And... Um, 
that would be as much as India could actually contribute to the war effort would be preparing to become a kind of a, a military superpower in Asia. The Secretary of State for India um, was happy, was keen to give the green light. Um, the plan, um, he advised the War Cabinet, was a valuable step forward towards enabling India to pull her weight yet more fully in the present struggle. So, uh, Raghavan writes, Weeks after the plan was approved in London, Italy entered the war. The Lithgow promptly offered to dispatch the, to the Middle East 18 infantry brigades, one motorised cavalry brigade, and one field artillery regiment, as well as supporting units uh, in all 90, nearly 90,000 men. Um, so that would be roughly um, 40, nearly 50% of the uh, existing Indian army. The troops would be sent out in phases from July uh, 1940 to April 1941. The Chiefs of Staff welcomed the Viceroy's offer, but pointedly added that these forces from India should not be regarded as the total which will eventually be required from her. Indeed, India would thenceforth have to stand ready to meet an insatiable demand for troops. So, again, this was uh, a war that was uh, fought uh, on, obviously, a mass scale, and the ability of countries such as the Soviet Union or the United States um, to raise ever greater number of troops placed those countries, in, you know, on the winning side. Um, and it was uh, the Indian Army and its ability to produce um, huge amounts of manpower were one of the um, one of the the kind of the things that bought Britain a place at the top table of negotiations. Um, during the war, um, the one of the uh, is, is Britain's hidden sort of superpower weapon. So in 1940, in August, um, the uh, Indian government um, prepared um, offered four infantry divisions and one armoured division for overseas uh, deployment, um, as long as the British agreed to equip them. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
in September, the British had accepted um, the offer um, and they were deployed to Malaya. Uh, one was deployed to Malaya and the other three to Iraq um, to protect rubber and oil, respectively. But instead of an armoured division, India was asked to send out um, an armoured cavalry brigade uh, and an additional infantry division. In the event, it was agreed that India would raise four new infantry divisions by December 1941 and a fifth by mid-1942. Now, by late 1940, uh, anxieties about the Soviet threat to Afghanistan had kind of gone into, into decline. People no longer saw that as being um, a, a realistic fear. However, Japan's um, seizure of French Indochina started to present um, the, the real danger to Britain's position in Asia. Um, by the end of March 1941, uh, the general staff came up with the 1941 Defence of India plan. Um, this plan had two phases. The first would entail a purely defensive operations along the northwest frontier um, and an advance into Afghanistan, which, uh, again, the plan seems to be kind of fundamentally out of date at this point. Um, and the second phase um, could be undertaken only if there was extra support from the British, from Great Britain. Um, the plan envisaged defensive operations on the Indo-Afghan border, and that's it. So there was kind of a, a real uh, disconnect between the, rea the, the strategic realities and that Japan is the threat and the um, general staff's perception that Afghanistan is still uh, the, the weakest part of uh, India's defences and that the Soviet Union might still possibly um, attack. The, so what we see is this increase in manpower, but all sorts of strategic misconceptions. It's, it's notable that um, Malaya, when it is attacked by uh, Japan, is uh, poorly defended, and the Japanese, even though the uh, British and Australian and Indian troops put up a fierce fight, they are um, there are not enough of them, um, and the Japanese push them very quickly down the Malay Peninsula towards Johor and towards Singapore. From April 1940 to December 1941 was the uh, time of the phase of huge recruitment. So uh, almost 900,000 troops uh, are under um, uh, Indian colours. By, uh, by December 1941. Uh, monthly recruitment um, exceeded 50,000 uh, um, at its height. And technical personnel, which were basically non-existent before the war, um, were 9,000 a month. So these are kind of engineers, mechanics, that sort of thing, signalers. Um, from the princely Indian states, there were... Um, um, there was uh, an increase in uh, recruitment. Uh, the princely states had previously managed to l largely uh, avoid service in the Indian Army, um, but they were used to release basically units of regular troops for overseas duties, 
um, at first. So princely state troops were used to for kind of internal purposes, and then finally they themselves were deployed uh, overseas. Um, by August 1941, uh, there were 17 units from princely states uh, serving in um, Egypt and East Africa, Iraq and Malaya. Um, places such as Nepal, for example, um, the Maharaja of Nepal loaned eight battalions of his army uh, for duties uh, in India. So the changing course of the war um, made India, basically placed the burden of further commitments on India. So on the 22nd of June 1941, when Germany attacked the Soviet Union, um, the with Russia now on the Allied side, Afghanistan could finally be dropped as a strategic concern, um, which only gave the British another um, six months until um, an attack on, on Malaya, which, which comes on the day of Pearl Harbour in December 1941. Um, London um, and New Delhi could focus um, their efforts really um, on the... Middle East uh, at this point, um, as the Germans um, pushed towards the Caucasus, uh, and as the um, uh, during the Operation Barbarossa, and as the Germans pushed the the, the British back in um, North Africa and uh, brought about um, uh, internal subversion in I Iraq, Indian troops were relied upon to um, uh, control Iraq and Iran, particularly. Um, in 1942, at the beginning of 1942, 264,000 Indian troops were serving overseas, uh, including 91,000 in Iraq, 20,000 in the Middle East, 56,000 in Malaya and 20,000 in Burma. Um, six weeks before Operation Barbarossa began, the Indian government had been uh, considering its plans for 1942. Um, the, the government in Delhi told the British that if it uh, wanted... That if India's demands for equipment and personnel were met, India would be ready by the latter half of 1942 to provide an overseas deployment for four more infantry divisions and one armoured division. Um, these troops were currently uh, deployed only for India's defence. Um, as previously, these would be made uh, available uh, only uh, if India could plan for their prompt replacement. So uh, internal defences and in internal um, uh, the, the the keeping of internal order um, could only those troops could only be moved if they could be promptly replaced. Um, so the raising of five divisions um, would uh, and including an armored division um, with supporting troops um, required India to recruit another six hundred thousand soldiers. Do it so, but the th the wild card into all of this is of course Japan's entry into the war in December 1941, which um, threw the plan uh, into kind of into chaos, uh, and meant that all of a sudden the Indian government had to improvise with recruitment again. However, that said, at the end of 1942, the uh, Indian army is at um, 1.5 million strong, uh, and the Indian states. Uh, forces and British units in India uh, added up to another 170,000 troops. So by December 1941, um, the government in Delhi was getting ready for further expansion up to 1943. 
the general staff um, had uh, planned for a, a further infantry division, a parachute division, a heavy armoured brigade. Um, and, in, uh, and on top of this, they wanted to raise five, five field artillery regiments, seven anti-tank regiments and ten anti-aircraft regiments as well as uh, new administrative and logistics units. So it's those sorts of things, um, you know, adjutant generals' corps and uh, quartermasters' corps and logistics um, corps and that kind of thing, armies can't function with, without them. It's all very well having frontline troops, but if you don't have an infrastructure to equip them and feed them, um, it's all going to go extremely badly wrong. Um, Total, um, the plan for 1943 included uh, uh, proposed another uh, quarter of a million soldiers. But by 1943, um, it was becoming clear that um, the quality manpower, um, especially technical skill, was now at a premium in India. So, uh, Raghavan writes, Further, the performance of, the, of Indian units on the front line underscored various deficiencies in training. So, um, in the summer of 1943, two infantry divisions were converted into training divisions, an unprecedented experiment for the Indian Army. Although another 280,000 men were recruited in 1943, it was evident to the Indian government that the peak of recruitment had passed, so the army had swelled to its maximum size that it could possibly train um, and prepare for a complex technological war. So, as I said at the start, the, um, these phases of wartime enlargement began to fundamentally change the nature of the Indian army, and we'll explore this in um, a, a subsequent podcast because I think we're going to focus a bit more on India now. We've been a bit remiss on that one. But as the army grows bigger, it tends to dilute the previous principles um, that the army was based on, the previous logic that the army was based on, and instead entirely new um, individuals and who had previously never served in the army and never considered serving in the army came into military service, and the role of the army itself is um, based uh, around defending India. It's obviously uh, about fighting the, the wars of the British Empire overseas, but there's a, a profound role in defending India itself from invasion. And this means that by the end of the war, the Indian army has transitioned into something different. The Indian army has transitioned into, um, as, as all armies during the Second World War did, um, war uh, tools of kind of uh, national self-determination and national self-identity and identification. And that meant that the Indian Army, uh, when, it, uh, when in 1946, it essentially goes on strike. It refuses to be deployed overseas any longer in the service of the British. It's the Indian Army that decides, really, when the Raj is over. Um, but that's a, a slightly different story for another time. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.